Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus Investor Astrology Podcast. It is eclipse season and we're in between the eclipses as I talk about this, as I record this. And we've just had the solar eclipse at 29 degrees Aries, super aggressive and the big starter klaxon for so many things at that 29 degrees but the next we have the lunar eclipse and this is going to be at 14 degrees Scorpio and it's the last eclipse that happens in this 18 month period of of being in Scorpio or half of them being in Scorpio on that axis. Now um, it brought to mind this eclipse on the 5th of May the the saying by J.P. Morgan that millionaires don't use astrology and billionaires do. And of course, what he is saying is that, you know, with billionaires, you're looking at, you know, they're making a lot more money. It's like a huge endeavor to make that money and they want to stay on top of it. And and as we see money is energy, it's almost like they need to know uh, the deeper moves the deeper flow of of what is happening around the planet because obviously they're working on a much higher level on a global level than millionaires do but i also think that you know that is he talking about the eccentricity of people getting to that level that they want to have information from a higher source and where do they go above themselves being probably at the top elite echelon um but also, I would say, you know, going back to the Middle Ages or and beyond when astrology first started, only the elites could use astrology because you needed instruments, which were expensive. You needed the wisdom where you'd have had to have gone to school and hardly anyone had gone to, or were even were educated. So um, and hardly anyone could read and you needed to be able to. Uh, read the read and write but also decipher the symbols and actually look into the sky and measure where the planets were where the stars were etc so it was quite a phenomenal thing so there's many levels around this millionaires don't use astrology billionaires do and one of them is about the global elite and this is the point I want to come to about this eclipse that's happening on the 5th of May now also, in our modern times, I kind of notice that our governments don't use uh, astrology. And I really noticed this on the Brexit vote. When the UK left or voted to leave the European Union, I was looking at the astrology and thinking, wow, this looks like it's going to be a huge dynamic and crazy change. I think it was Uranus on Eris with the sun or with another couple of planets there's a whole pile up a stellium around Aries and Uranus in Aries and I thought this this is gonna blow isn't it but actually I was feeling politically there was no way that the UK would leave the European Union but of course I woke up the next morning and there it was we had voted to leave and I just realized that you know David Cameron who was the prime minister at the time there could have been no way that he would have consulted anyone about what date to use if he wanted us to stay in the union perhaps he didn't perhaps the elites didn't perhaps that was what was going on but as he resigned the very next day I do feel that he had not consulted any higher source about what was about to happen because it was dynamic change and there was it was unavoidable so that's the last time I've mistrusted what might happen with astrology but 
that brings us also be to our current eclipse season and the fact that I think the royals do use astrology. I'm saying this because we have the 5th of May Scorpio lunar eclipse and on the 6th of May we have the coronation of King Charles III and the coronation happens in the morning. So it happens, um, say, sorry, it happens less than 24 hours after the eclipse, just after 12 hours, because the eclipse is exact on the 5th of May at 6.22 or quarter past six-ish in the evening um, on the 5th of May. And King Charles gets coronated before 12 o'clock. It starts at about half past 11, a quarter past 11 on, on the Saturday. So it really is within that time frame of the eclipse. And I think that's an incredible timing to do. It's not a coincidence. And I don't mean it's not a coincidence in that nothing is a coincidence, but I think they must have looked at the astrology for this. There's no way that you can avoid this and go, oh, look, suddenly afterwards realize that it's an eclipse. Now, the other thing to bear in mind on this as well is that our future king, well, he's already our king, but the King Charles III is also, he is a Scorpio and he was born on a, under a Scorpio lunar eclipse. And so here we, he, we have him um, being coronated at, at an, a Scorpio eclipse, which matches his birth sign exactly. Now, I am aghast. I mean, in one way, who would choose to do anything on a Scorpio eclipse? Unless you, I guess you are a Scorpio. Unless you really get that and you want something, you want to reveal something, you want deep and utter transformation, or you want to use black magic, perhaps. Who would do that on purpose? So um, I think this is a massive, gigantic opening for shadow forces. Well, any Scorpio eclipse is an opening for shadow forces to rise, to really rise and some secrets to be revealed, to, for magic to happen. It's like, it's like a, the second Halloween that we get once a year with the, with the Halloween in October, but this is like another Halloween, of course. So being a Scorpio, I think this is impeccable timing. I mean, and, and not a coincidence. You know, I believe that this this shadowy energy coming through at this eclipse will suit King Charles III. It's kind of his area. And I believe within this that he is a conduit for the shadow forces to enter this earth and enter this kingdom. I really do feel that this is a massive opportunity for this highly stylized mystical ritual of a coronation is huge and to have it happening on an eclipse and to have it on the eclipse which is your own birthday eclipse is like a channeling of energy and I think this is quite phenomenal but really the question is you know is he aware of he is he personally aware of it or is it the people around him you know how deep does this go in the knowledge of this has he chosen this to enable an an unraveling of darkness or some magical element some unrevealed un un 
some wisdom to be revealed? Does he want to show all the corruption in this planet? Does he want to reveal this? Is he going to be the conduit? Is he going to be the king that goes where we've got to do better than this? Or is he part of it? And is this him allowing this darkness to come in? You know, this is a, this is a really important question. I think it's a phenomenal timing for this to happen. And um, I shall be watching it very closely. And so the lunar eclipse in Scorpio is on the 5th of May at 6.22 British summertime. And the coronation is at 11.15 on the 6th of May. So it's less than 24 hours from the, the eclipse. So as to be on the eclipse. And while the, um, the coronation is happening, the moon is still in Scorpio. It's going to be in, well into Scorpio, well into the evening. So it's not like it leaves the Scorpio sign. It's there for the, and possibly passing right over his sun. And what is so alarming about this as well, on top of everything I've just said, is that King Charles has his north node at four degrees Taurus, because he would if he was born on an eclipse, the, the south node and north node will be in Taurus and Scorpio and his south node is in Scorpio. And so the north node for him is in, in at four degrees Taurus. Guess where the north node is now? The north node for this coronation, well, at the moment, but for this coronation is at four degrees Taurus. It is an exact match, an exact match for his birth eclipse. And I just find that incredible. On top of everything else, that is an exact match for the north node. And of course, we talk about when you have a nodal return because it happens for the a north node, north node matchup. It happens every 18 years. And for a north node to be in opposition with the south node match, it happens every nine years. So, you know, to get this surprise, to get this precise is incredible. And so therefore, the idea that they picked this date is is phenomenal. But the idea then that that it's not just them picking their dates, it's it goes bigger than that. This is like a cosmos. This is like now your time is ready. It's like he's been waiting for this because, you know, your exact nodal eclipse doesn't always come around in a lifetime. You know, it'll come on the degree next to the degree after two or three degrees each time. You don't get that exact match generally. So to have a coronation on your exact nodal return at four degrees on an eclipse is like a complete rebirth because Scorpio, of course, wants the rebirth, the regeneration. All the rot has to start moving. And so in one way, this gives me such huge hope that he really gets it and wants to change. But also on the other level, when I see that Jacinda Ayern um, has been appointed to be part of uh, a director on Earth Earthshot Prize with Prince William just makes my heart sink. It really does. So which way is it going to be with with King Charles III? You know, <laughs> let's see how this pans out. To have the South Node in Scorpio and the North Node in in Taurus. It's like you want to bring energy and bring it to manifest. The Scorpio is the hidden and the power structures and the kind of esoteric ideas of energy and how it moves around. And in the 
North Node in Taurus, it wants you to manifest this stuff. It wants you to bring about, you know, a physical representation of this stuff. It's also the manifestation of wealth, huge wealth, and also a manifestation of the Earth's riches, um, the physicality of the Earth, the physicality of ourselves. And perhaps that's why King Charles III has always been involved in organic ideas, you know, about organic farming. And perhaps this is why he's into homeopathy, because homeopathy is the vibrational medicine um, that brings about proper health in, in a quite Taurian, Scorpio Taurian way. So as this eclipse is happening on the south node in Scorpio, it's kind of digging deep. <laughs> Have we not dig dug? Have we not dug deep enough during this 18 months to have the Scorpio-Taurus eclipse axis, just really bringing about more and more digging deep. And because it's the south node, it's also the past. So we're looking at what happened in the past, what dark stuff was been happening in the past that in the Taurus wants to bring about and actually manifest something, you know, much richer and much more comfortable and much more suitable, those ideas. But this is like the subconscious digging. The Scorpio um, here is digging into the toxicity and the corruption and where the power lies. And in some ways, you know, this is, this is you know, it wants a deep and utter transformation. It also wants to look at the sexuality and our programming around sexuality. And so, of course, we're looking at this, this is going to happen every 18 years. We get 18 months worth of Scorpio South Node digging deep into what we have so that we can change. We can update our programming. And of course, Prince King, Prince Charles, I'm still calling him Prince Charles. We look at King Charles and what was he doing 18 years ago? in the eclipse season that would be aligned with this one. Um, and he has had four of these eclipse seasons. He had four groups of 18 years. And the last 18 years, Charles had just announced that he was going to marry Camilla. So that was one of his kind of big announcements and a big change in his life from the last eclipse season. So, of course, we're going to look at what who Scorpio's ruler is. And of course, it's Pluto. Pluto rules Scorpio and he is the dark lord of the underworld himself. And perhaps this is a mantle that King Charles III is going to take on. I'm going to keep calling King Charles III by mistake. So apologies for that. But King Charles, is he the dark lord himself? Is this the emergence of the dark power that we can actually tangibly see? Um. So we're looking at the ruler Pluto and where it where it is. And for the last 18 months, it's been in Capricorn. Of course, it's been in Capricorn, digging deep into the corruption in business, into the darkness in politics, the toxicity in the medical care, the, the corruption in wealth, the banking, the elites and, and into ancestry and what's been going on there. But for this final eclipse in the Scorpio axis... We have Pluto, its ruler, moved just into naught degree Aquarius. And that is phenomenally different. That is very, a very different feeling. So before the eclipse is kind of bringing out the darkness of the business, political, global world, 
But now this eclipse with Plot the, the ruler Pluto in Aquarius, this is the beginning of something big for humanity that we're going to bring out some idea of, you know, where we've been asleep, where we've been given our power away, where hum humanity really wants to go and evolve towards. And of course, that is already happening. We're already seeing changes in our societies about the way we view things. And some of those are really positive. But I think because it's Pluto, we may have to go a little darker first. We have to go a little darker and what's wrong and what we're not getting right first. And of course, that is definitely happening anyway, um, in a, also in the sexuality way too. So here we are right on the precipice of huge change. And if you see how Pluto has been in Capricorn and it's been the fourth industrial revolution and Pluto was in Capricorn for the other three industrial revolutions, you see how it changes these huge structures that we live our lives by. And of course, now Pluto is in Aquarius, it's revolution. We've had the French Revolution the last time Pluto was in Aquarius and other revolutions, the American Revolutionary War. It all happens uh, with as, as society evolves with Pluto in Aquarius. So as a reminder that this eclipse could bring out something very deep, unnerving for humanity for actual for our social constructs and we have to process that to to bring revolution to it to fix it to make it much better fit for purpose going forward so here at this eclipse this scorpio eclipse that matches king charles iii's scorpio birth eclipse you know is he the man to lead this change you look at that and there's so many possibilities here you know he's in organic farming his his um that town he he helped build poundbury in dorset which is like the model future citizen town um you know on first look it looks like yeah i mean this idea that his belief in all these progressive ideas have actually come around so yeah we can maybe put some trust in him but is he doing it the wrong way so let's let's have a look at his chart too and and you may not be surprised to learn that king charles iii's pluto his is in leo so Pluto, the ruler of this eclipse and the ruler of the eclipse of his birthday is in Leo. And of course, Leo is the king. And we and we know that King Charles has said, I'm going to revolutionize the monarchy by um, slimming it down for starts, have a slimmed down monarchy. You know, is there, I think, much more to be revealed in his changes? And, you know, whether he's conscious of this or whether he's doing this subconsciously, you know, this Pluto-Leo idea is that he really understands the monarchy and how it needs to change. Not just because he's within it and lived his life there, but also because he has this Leo rising, Leo in the first house and Pluto in the first house. I mean, that is super powerful. That's hugely dynamic. Um, and obviously we can see, you know, with his Leo rising, Leo totally in the first house. The first house is enclosed in Leo. So there is only one way for him to express himself, for King Charles to express himself 
uh, right from the word go is via royalty, via Leo aspects. And because Pluto is there as well, and also Pluto is conjunct Ceres, the corn goddess, you know, he can own, it's so, so super powerful him to be this king. It's like, you can see from his childhood, it's, I always say that kids don't really get their Pluto placements. And so, because it's so powerful, you know, and he was born in a time when, you know, being born royalty was not a relaxed thing as it was for Prince William where they had their mother helping and supporting them. He was utterly lonely. And that's that Pluto in the first house can bring about that, that loneliness because you're really out there on the edge by yourself. And because also it's conjunct Ceres, Ceres is the corn goddess. And wherever she is in your chart, there is, it's not a loving mothering energy. It's a mothering nourishing energy, which are you getting the right nourishment and are you getting what you need? And of course, Ceres is a corn goddess. And sometimes it's, it's you reap and sometimes you sow. Sometimes it's harvest and sometimes the harvest has been ruined. So there is this dynamic with Ceres that you don't get what you want all the time. And because Pluto is there, you know, I see why King Charles has struggled with this power dynamic, has struggled with who he is within the monarchy. You know, right from the word go, he struggled with that um, princedom as it were, prince of the blood issue. He is, he is though, um, a Scorpio. He was born with his son at 22 degrees Scorpio. And so, as we say, he is going to match this eclipse and that, that sun is, uh, uh, it's a Taurus eclipse actually, but uh, because the moon is in, the full moon eclipse is in Taurus for him. But his son is, in Scorpio is actually conjunct Chiron. Now, a sun conjunct Chiron, um, well, you know, with, if your sun is conjunct Chiron, you are going to be born with really deep and very personal sensitivities. And sometimes the, you know, these are going to be wounds and there's stuff that you come in with that you know that you have to work on. And other people might go, what's your problem? You know, what's so bad about that? But with the sun conjunct Chiron, it's very much you are feeling like you have the issues and you have to deal with them. And of course, with that in Scorpio, it really runs deep, really deep. And it would also maybe run to sexual ideas as well. And it's quite funny that, you know, he was the number one eligible bachelor for aeons. I mean, he was, you know, the the guy to be with. And there was always conjecture in the papers about who he was going to marry. It was endless for him. But, you know, for him, I think that just drove him deeper into his own hole. He was deeply um, I think ashamed of that and he didn't go and shag around as you would think that so many people in that position would he really was deeply um, sensitive and private and that's such a scorpionic thing you know that and obviously he's very sensitive um, he kept it massively in check and remember also that his Jupiter is at 29 degrees Sagittarius and that's kind of and Mars is in Sagittarius. So he ha he's got it ready to go and, you know, sow his wild oats. But instead, he had this sun conjunct Chiron. This is huge self-doubt, self self-torture 
self-sabotage and which we all know about um we've seen him you know that you've seen the crown it depicts it quite whether the actual incidents it depicts are true or not it really does show you him in some private agony in quite a few situations and probably uh, as we've said from the pluto in the first house in leo as well he's probably had huge misgivings about his position the position that he was actually born into but but here with his son conjunct chiron in scorpio i think there's also this element of him taking on board the shadow of others as well not only the shadow just being hyper aware of the um of what others are really thinking and what's really going on and probably quite anti-establishment at, at, at the beginning but you know anti-establishment at but really found himself at the center of the establishment despite this so I do see, you know, you see in his chart that there is this quirkiness of, of huge dark power, but also understanding on a really deep level. Um, so I still have hope. <laughs> also, because the eclipsed sun, oh no, so it's not the eclipsed sun, the, the sun in the lunar eclipse, where the moon is eclipsed, the sun here is now also conjunct uh, for the coronation and and for this uh, the day before on the eclipse the sun is conjunct uranus and you know uranus is revolutionary and so we look at where does king charles have his uranus and it is at 29 degrees gemini so it's like wow you know this uranus is really like inciting a play between the shadow the dark and the light here in gemini you know that that he can really understand that and at 29 degrees and it's 29 degrees 56 minutes he really is aware of that play between the dark and the light and the um the idea that you know you can smooth things over but you really what is what does lie beneath what does lie beneath and and you know he he's an expert at that play almost like the way the druids came to uh, when the druids so they were the earth monitors they were monitoring the play between the dark and the light and therefore they were timekeepers and i think prince charles calling prince charles again i think prince charles also has this idea with this uranus in gemini and of course, this is going to be activated with the eclipse because the sun part of this eclipse is conjunct Uranus. And King Charles's Uranus is in 29 degrees for one thing, but it's in the 11th house of society. So he really gets un society. He understands the, the what's at play here and how to play between, um, you know, the, the play between the information that we all get, the the way people speak with each other, the, um, you know, he understands so much that perhaps hasn't been revealed yet. And also his Gemini is within the 11th house. It's enclosed in the 11th house. So this is difficult for him to express this. He's waited lifetimes to express what he's going to express because it's all enclosed in Gemini. And of course, Mars has been going retrograde through Gemini, this part of his 11th house. So leading up from the death of his mother in September right till now, 
he has been experiencing in his 11th house this Mars going retrograde through Gemini. And I see here, this is like him learning new things, learning new ideas, getting connected with um, stuff that he thought he maybe could ignore or didn't have to do. You know, he's really having to up the game here in his knowledge, in his connections and what he believes and going beyond just um, the normal facts. He's had to dig deep because of this Mars retrograde, probably deeply affecting him because it's also opposite his own Mars. So and enclosed. So this is his preparation now for the big one, because now the Uranus here is going to be kind of activated he's going to bring about something that is quite incredible about with this eclipse and this uranus positioning at 29 degrees and of course you know this is not just the only planet that's at 29 degrees is uranus it's at 29 degrees the anoretic degree and it's opposite bang opposite jupiter at 29 degrees sagittarius so this is a huge opposition for him two major planets generational planets which are now going to be activated the uranus is activated at the the uh, scorpio eclipse because the sun is conjunct uranus and jupiter is going to be activated or was activated at the aries eclipse because jupiter is right now is in aries so these two big planets are getting activated in eclipse season and he has them in opposition. And therefore, I see him as a major disruptor of the status quo. He's going to say things, I believe, that we, you know, people and, and deliver messages to people that we are probably maybe are unscripted and potentially damaging, but potentially he isn't going to care. He's going to say it. And, you know, there's so many of the papers going, oh, he's not allowed to get involved in politics. I, I don't see how he cannot get involved. You know, he's going to play that game massively from what I can see in his chart and this um, eclipse. Um, uh, sorry. And this opposition between Uranus, 29 degrees Gemini and Jupiter, 29 degrees Sagittarius. And likewise, this enclosed idea Sagittarius is enclosed in his fifth house. So these are when things are enclosed, uh, when a sign is enclosed in a in a house, you know, it's quite hard to reach some of those aspects of that sign. And of course, it's 29 degrees Sag. So he's had to keep his mouth shut. He's had to keep his whole essence you know, what he wants to do, his ideas, his higher learning, his wisdom, all those Jupiter in Sagittarius, wonderful kind of learning. He has ha he hasn't been able to share, but it's really who he is on a private level. Also, he has Mars in Sagittarius and that's enclosed in the fifth house. So actually, he's quite a little maybe sexual deviant on the quiet. You know, Mars in Sagittarius, you know, sun in Scorpio as well. But, you know, because it's enclosed in the fifth house, this Mars and the Jupiter in Sagittarius, you know, behind closed doors, he can be super entertaining. He's the extrovert behind closed doors. But out there, you see his son in Taurus being um, and his Leo rising sign is him being a bit too stuffy, potentially a bit too straight, very royal, very knowing his status and sort of slightly secretive. But inside with this Sag, you know, behind closed door, he's going to be funny. He's going to have foot in mouth disease like his father. Remember that. Um, but, you know, very private and maybe childlike and much more fun, really much more fun. Um, 
So, you know, and also fairly naive as well. I think, you know, thank God he's going to have some good advisors. But imagine, you know, that this Mars is also here in this very private place, but it's sexuality, isn't it, Mars? And, you know, he, so privately, he's quite wild. And you may remember Tampon Gate with Camilla uh, when he wanted on this phone call, I never heard it, but apparently he, he wanted to be her tampon. That was his desire. And Mars is about desire. It's enclosed here in his fifth house. So this is like, yeah, this is so utterly how an enclosed sign works. It only works privately, but of course it just needs something to bust it out to actually let it be revealed. And this is why I love using a Placidus chart system instead of a whole sign chart system because a whole sign will match the signs to the houses but I like the way that a Placidus system stretches it out so that how it would be in reality uh, and that would be on on elliptical kind of oval kind of way it moves around so that the houses are uneven and here we have this very definite signing of of for prints Charles, sorry, King Charles, who has his first house enclosed in Leo, his seventh house enclosed in Aquarius. So no wonder he's messed up quite a lot of that up. And he's got his Gemini enclosed in the 11th house and Sagittarius enclosed in the fifth. And of course, these enclosed signs really make for quite complex people. And you understand what's hidden is they're not obvious people because there's so much um hidden or needs to come out on a certain set of criteria so yeah that's that's my sort of plug for placidus house systems and so as many of you know i also like to look at some of the asteroids and for this eclipse we have salome exact conjunct the sun salome is at 14 degrees taurus and and thereby opposite the moon. So Salome, you know, we see that in a chart, you know, uh, you know, is is that person the um, wild thing sexually? Is, is that person provocative? But really on a more esoteric level and a more serious level, you know, Salome, yes, she asked for the head of John the Baptist. Yes, she she wanted this to to happen. But having danced for Herod, who was her potential stepfather, she did the dance of the seven veils. And, and people go, oh, well, she's she just did this sexy dance. It's like, no, she was not an exotic dancer. She was doing the dance of the seven veils as within an initiative experience. She was doing something that was bewitching him, but taking him through this seven veils. And it's the seven mysteries. It's the seven chakras. It is not just uh, seven layers of clothing. It really is taking something to another level beyond our human wisdom understanding, beyond the capabilities of the mind. She was taking Herod through to an initiatory experience um, and also if we think that you know when when um, someone is beheaded it's like their experiences stay in on earth but the head is allowed to go to the heavens so also in this idea she was enabling St John the Baptist to his his kind of wisdom his um, connection to God to be released up to the heavens she was enabling such a beautiful thing to take place that for him, who had obviously had his life experience and done what he came here to do. So she was, um, yeah, 
taking this whole experience of the death of John the Baptist to another level and give it, giving it, um, you know, something mysterious and esoteric, giving it much more deeper meaning. So here we've got this on the 14 degrees um, on the opposite the moon in this eclipse that's happening at a um, it's happening at a coronation. Why is Salome here? I think this is incredible. Why is the seven dance? Why is this an initiation here? And I really believe that this is another reason to have some sort of mystery element, an esoteric element to this coronation. She was dancing, of course, to Herod, and that's Herod Antipas. And her mother was Herodotus, who wanted to um, marry Herod but as the second wife. And so she was the mother that said, do this, so that we can, you know, promote our own position here. Um, so Herod Antipas is actually the son of Herod, the King Herod, Herod the Great, he was called. He was the one that asked for all males born uh, in the past two years to be killed because he was worried that, that Jesus would come and John the Baptist. They were both probably under two at the time. So he was worried that his position would be usurped. So he asked in the Bible, it says he asked for all males to be killed. Um, and so really, he was a modern day mass murderer. And, you know, as we would say, you know, could you imagine that happening in these modern times to say that we need to kill all children under two or we need to kill anyone? But when you think that there is a global depopulation program going and most of the elites have openly said this, that we need to depopulate the planet, you kind of go, oh, well, this is actually chiming with what was going on then. This is why Salome is here. Maybe this is something to do with the Herod and the idea that he was uh, wanting these children, a whole generation really, or two year gap of children to be killed. But also if you look into sort of more Steiner teachings and other teachings, um, esoteric teachings, you'll see that, you know, Herod, that King Herod is given up as a paedophile. And it was much darker than that, than, than is given in the Bible. It was darker and it was there was black magic involved. And, you know, we're at a time now when we've just recently seen, I think, is it in Australia that someone has been talking out, has been in the news that um, that someone is suing someone for extracting adrenochrome from children. And we think we think that's adrenochrome, which is the um adrenalized blood of very young children and this it's like when they have been scared to death um scared to death by satanic rituals or other that they then extract their adrenal or their blood which is full of adrenaline and this is like the rich elixir that keeps you young enables you to do powerful things and you know this is the the in inverted commas drug that the elites are supposed to be drinking and taking um you know uh, behind our right in front of us but behind you know behind our eyes you know um hidden in plain sight so it's suddenly this is the first time adrenochrome has actually come out in this last week to be in um out there in 
you know, someone actually has said it in the media in a court of law and actually is trying to sue someone because of adrenochrome. So when you look at Salome here and her her connection to Herod, the two Herods and um, the idea that he was a mass murderer of children and um, in some countries we're giving the vaccine to children now even though it's been proven not to work and been proven to be quite dangerous you know it's going on and on that there is a mass depopulation program going on and perhaps also um, an adrenochrome harvesting going on too so maybe that is why Salome is here uh, with Uranus at this eclipse and this is potentially why we're having a coronation, a, a Scorpio lunar eclipse, bringing out the dark for Prince Charles's, King Charles' birthday. So this all adds some many layers of meaning when you see how it really relates to things that were going on in our deep and ancient history. So to recap then, that this Scorpio lunar eclipse this is the last that we are having in this 18-month program of um, eclipses on the Scorpio-Taurus axis, although we have one more in Taurus in October. So this is the last one in Scorpio. And so this is the last time we're going to dig deep into the deep subconscious programming that is that we all buy into. And this is the last one where perhaps we dig into and look at the black magic that exists on our planet. And because of the other aspects that are happening now, maybe there is more to be revealed. Maybe some more of this will be manifested right in front of our eyes. Now, I was with a reading, with a meditation with Chang Fu, Ascended Master Chang Fu, who does these amazing um, readings uh, and meditations once a month. So if you want to join in those, please do. But he was saying, or one of the uh, the channeled beings, Kara, who is an Arcturian, was saying that they can see this huge amount of light, which is about to enter earth so there's this incredible kind of um i could say there's a war going on of course but there's this huge amount of light that's about to enter and the job that we have to do here is to um work on emanate or developing and emanating the light that's within us and i'm using light with a capital l as in the light as in the um, energy that exists that are um our aura, our energetic vibrational being. We have to work on that to keep ourselves in a really good and high vibration. And that will enable more light to come in rather than the potential darkness that's being panned out right now. But having said that, the, the fact that this is an exact eclipse for King Charles's birthday and for his own birth eclipse, I think this makes his kingship the channel for deeper revelations and for some of this dark power to come alive. But this then needs to be transformed. Anything in Scorpio just can't sit there. It needs to be transformed. Um, and perhaps we all need to be doing our own seven initiations and looking at our well, seven chakras. So that's a really good meditation or idea to do around this eclipse is to draw in that Salome seven initiations and check each of your chakras and get them um, working at their highest level. But because this is a coronation and King Charles has stepped in and said it's going to be shorter, 
He's also said he's going to change a few things about the coronation. And one of those things, you know, I was kind of like, what is he going to take out? Because I think it's really important to have these ritualized um, events, you know, to bring ritual into events is to make them sacred to give them a sacred element. So if he's going to take some of those things out, I was thinking perhaps he would go right into a 3D world and go, well, we don't need that. That's kind of ridiculous. But actually, no, one of the things he is, t- uh, you know, that he's taking out is, is he's going to stop the other dukes from having to kneel or bow to him at the coronation. And I think that's quite a good thing to do. Um, you know, I think his power is enough that he doesn't need other people to bow to him within this ceremony. And and this ceremony, of course, is steeped in so much magic anyway, which has been built up over the English, over aeons. And, you know, it's not the same. It's a, we have a different coronation in other countries, but those other countries either do not have a royalty anymore, but also potentially had very similar rituals to this to make someone a king. Um and if you have a, a shamanic ritual, if you're doing a shamanic ritual, you it is often best to work with the four elements. And remember, this the eclipses this year are all happening in four different signs with four different elements. So we've had the fire in Aries. This is the um, Scorpio in water. And in the autumn, we have Taurus Earth and Libra Air. So we are working with the four elements this whole year. But also what I found quite interesting is that they are bringing the Stone of Destiny down from Edinburgh. Now, what the hell is the Stone of Destiny? So this is a stone. And if you look at it, it is just looks like an ordinary, well, not an ordinary stone. It looks like a block of concrete. But anyway, I, <laughs> they are bringing the Stone of Destiny down from Scotland, where it has been used for centuries to anoint kings. The kings had to sit on this stone. And so they're bringing it down to, and, and, and presumably Queen Elizabeth also had the Stone of Destiny, but it used to be kept in the UK. I mean, sorry, it used to be kept in England till it got stolen by some students. And then they went, well, why don't we, why don't we just keep it in Scotland anyway? So for, since then, it's been kept in Scotland uh, where it was used previously, but it comes down for coronations. <laughs> Does it get a Eurostar ticket, uh, first class ticket down to Euston and then on to, to um, Westminster Cathedral? But anyway... Um, this stone of destiny is going to be under the throne when King Charles gets um, his coronation. And I was thinking, well, that is the mineral kingdom sorted. That is this stone that is going to be under the chair. There's the mineral element of that is so, I think, super powerful that if you are going to have four elements within a coronation and it's a coronation of a king of the land, that then you have this stone that represents that. It's the earth that it represents. So... Of course, you know, you're going to have to need the other things in the fire. There's going to be candles there. And he, of course, is going to be anointed with water, sacred water. And the air, perhaps the air is identified as the crown that he wears. And, and there's going to be so many crystals around for that mineral aspect, too. And we tend to think of crystals are just semi-precious stones that we like to use within our own practices. But also remember the diamonds, sapphires, emeralds, rubies, they are all really high vibrational crystals and they're going to be on his head, crowned on his head. So um, 
They are uh, in full ritual, coronation ritual, but I see it as a shamanic ritual also. And especially considering the timing with the eclipse to draw out some dark energies and see this as, you know, this is an anointing and an initiation. And really, um, this is given to someone and this is once in a generation for us anyway. So um, I'm definitely going to be watching. I'm going to turn into a full royal, although that's um, I have changed my mind on that more recently. So I'm going to turn into a full royal and watch the whole thing. I'm quite excited about it. I'm potentially feeling that this is this this is very dynamic. It's powerful, and it's the the planetary rising of showing of the deep hidden mysteries. So um, watching where where and how this plays out. But, but also for this Scorpio idea, the last one, is this also, you know, we're working with the four elements this whole year and this eclipse, you know, where are we going to be exercising or drawing out something that potentially been working on for a while in the last 18 months? And this is the last chance to go, right, this is the last piece of darkness that I have to give up for the next 18, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be working on this after this. I've done it. I've really done it. Um I myself feel that I have done this huge piece of work personally recently and I encourage you all to get that last drop out of going deep into the subconscious because this is this is an opportunity for us eat on a personal level whether you're into the the ritual of the coronation or not um I do think this is an opportunity for us to do our own in-depth research um excavation and bring out some more of our deep wisdom that's hiding there. Because remember, you know, the seeds are always planted in the dark. And this is a nice scorpionic lunar eclipse darkness to plant some seeds in or check what's going on in your own underworld. So whilst this is hugely dynamic and um, a phenomenal piece of history being ha happening, I also want to bring it forward to the summer when Venus, planet of love and beauty and money, goes retrograde in Leo. And Leo, of course, is royalty. Leo represents the monarchy. And Prince Charles, oh, sorry, King Charles III has the Leo completely covered his first house. His first house is enclosed in Leo. And therefore, he cannot express himself in any other way that by being a little, the little prince, the big prince, the king in waiting, and now the king. That's the only way he's been able to express himself via people who relate to him. Oh, you're the king. You can't go to school and be an anonymous. He is the king. And he'd have had it much harder than than anyone else, you know, like Prince William and, and the other princes of now, because they would have had a softer and, and would have been less red, rigid upbringing. But Prince Charles really had it. And of course, as I've said, he's got Pluto and Ceres in, in this. It's a very small um, first house, but, but that's where it is for him. And Venus is going to go retrograde right through his first house. And you think, well, that's not good. That's not good for a new king to have this very personal stripping back of his values, of of his ideas, his what's going on in his heart. And perhaps, you know, I'm here predicting then that in July, August, when Venus goes retrograde, um, you know, Leo rules the heart. 
And potentially there's something that we need to know about him. Maybe he's going to come out with something that's revealing of his emotional state. Maybe he is going to, um, you know, like at worst, you know, he could abdicate and say, right now I've done this. I've done it. I don't want to do it anymore. Here comes my son. Maybe something really hurtful happens with Prince Harry and maybe he then has the opportunity to make amends with Harry on some level. Um, I think this is quite a phenomenal thing to have your coronation and then a few months later to have Venus go retrograde over your first house. I mean, it can't be, I don't want to fear the retrograde um, because I have friends that have got met their husbands, their future husbands in a Venus retrograde. So it's not all bad, but to have it on your first house must be utterly revealing and he will be dealing with something on a very emotional level that he has to deal with. Perhaps it's where he then goes, that's enough. I'm going to strip the titles off of Harry and Meghan. Perhaps he, this is him going, right, this is who I really am. I'm going to do have a slimmed down monarchy and um, you know, it might be on that level. But looking at the other royals chart, Camilla has Leo rising and she has got Pluto and Saturn in Leo. I mean, so maybe that's something between the two of them that um, but, you know, it does feel like that with Camilla, she was destined to be queen with this Leo rising the same as as her husband's. Um, But funnily enough, um, Duchess Kate also has Leo rising, but no planets in there. Uh, Prince Louis has Leo in the first house, but also with his son. I'm sorry, also with his moon, North Node and Ceres. So maybe Prince Louis has more of an idea about being royal than Prince George does. Maybe there's this idea that the others go, you go first, you can do it, not us. Um, Then also Meghan, who is Duchess of Sussex, has famously is a Leo and um, she's got Leo in the first house. She's actually cancer rising, but most of her first house is Leo. And she has the sun there, the North Node and Mercury. So there's some sort of destined aspect for her to be within royalty here as well. She's also got Pallas Athena, the genius. So maybe she comes back and goes, right, come on, we've got to tidy this whole lot up. Who knows what's going to happen? But all of those people are going to have some reckoning with royalty and um, things are going to shift in the summer also. Um, And as so many of them are involved with this uh, Leo Venus retrograde, perhaps there is this is the this is when the whole royal family gets um, redistributed. Something phenomenal will happen. But I will obviously do a podcast nearer the time around this Venus or several because Venus retrograde, I think there's going to be a longer run up because we're going to be aware of it. And I feel like with Venus retrograde in Leo, we're really there's a lot of good things that can come out of that. But anyway, for now, with our lunar eclipse um, happening on the 5th of May, um, please let me know how it goes for you and um, I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. 